You're listening to the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. We're talking leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the countdown starts. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five. Four, three, two, one. Woo! Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the LaunchCast. Season four is here. It's the season premiere. I still got goosebumps. You see them here on camera. Episode 401, this one is called The Autism Inclusion Revolution, and you're going to find out why in a couple of minutes when I bring my guests on. But first, you've been waiting for this in Season 3. It's the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. Leadership, business, life, growth, right here as the beat drops. I did that on one take. I'm very proud of myself. Very proud of myself <laughs> to my guests here. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to season four of the LaunchCast. We are back for season four. I'm so excited. We took a little hiatus uh, over the summer. Major, major things going on. We have so much happening this season, but the one constant is our leadership interviews, deep dives, of which we have an incredible one today. So let me just catch up with the audience real quick, and we're going to jump right into this today. So what's new? Last I left you. Baby number four, baby number four, little Catherine Marie, Catherine Marie, yeah, that's her name. <laughs> I get confused at this point with four. Catherine Marie was born May 4th. Uh, I think I might have done an episode or two after that, um, but it has been a whirlwind. We've been enjoying this little bundle uh, for the last few months, and this is a big week. School, school has been back on for a month. Uh, my, my wife went back to work yesterday, which means all four kids are not home. We have one in high school now, one in junior high, one in preschool or nursery school, and then one in daycare. So uh, it is crazy, crazy over here, but we are enjoying it very much. So um, upcoming things. So by the time you hear this, um, this will premiere probably next week or the week after. By the time you hear this, TEDx Farmingdale, fourth year, 2022, is done right so it's our fourth event our final event and i'm i'm so proud to have produced this event uh for the last four years we have had some incredible speakers join our stage and really really put some incredible talks out there and do some uh do some big things that that's what this whole thing is all about it's about spreading these big ideas and we have done that and uh you know after not just four years of this but my ted journey so thus far is three TEDx talks of my own. I have executive produced TEDx Farmingdale four times. I have co-produced two TEDx women events, and this is the second TED event that I am actually emceeing, uh, hosting. So I, I, I have left it all in the field with TED. I, I don't have anything more to offer this platform, which is why I'm walking away. But, but the, exciting, the exciting news is that there's something new going on. So speak. 
Uh, Speak is the new platform. I'm going to get into it over the next couple of episodes. And there is some, um, besides just a a speaking platform and a show that's coming up, there's a lot more news. So I'm going to get into that in in episodes two and three a little bit more. But (laughs) keep an eye out. October 10th, Monday, October 10th, which is the Monday after TEDx, which will have happened already. We have a huge announcement coming from Speak um, regarding our first event ever. And uh, man, we are having conversations to have have events in Belfast, London, uh, San Francisco, a couple more in New York. So, so I'm, I'm so humbled by the outpouring of support and keep an eye on Speak because we're, we're going to be doing some great things. So that's the business for the day. We got the business over with. Now, what you're all here for, we're here for the deep dive interview. So let me do the quick bio first, and then I'm going to bring these two ladies on screen here. So today we have, from the Nicholas Center, we have Stella Spanakos and Nicole Sugru. Nicole is co-founder, executive director, and grant writer for the Nicholas Center. 20 years of experience in the formation and development of autism-related programs. She obtained her coursework. What do I have? Her college stuff here, too? Come on, Leanne. I got everything here. This is a bio, man. Um, 2010, she decided to assist Stella in building an entity to support the growing needs of the aging autism community, particularly young adults. Nicole sits as an advisor to Nassau County's Office of Mental Health chemical dependency and developmental disabilities services and is an appointed member <coughs> of a legislative committee for assemblyman chris burdick um so so much more on nicole let me jump to stella real quick we're gonna go over all the stuff on the interview stella stella spinacos financed and founded the nicholas center and spectrum designs to create a future for her son nicholas she taught commercial writing and english as a second language for three years Again, with the university stuff, Leanne, we got everything here. I'll, I'll, I'm going to put her resume and her, uh, her high school and college transcripts on the, uh, on the podcast uh, show notes. But uh, for eight years, she served as president of the Manhattan Parents Association for Special Education, helped develop the first ABA elementary classroom and life skills program in the Manhasset public schools, which is super important. Um, you know what? I'm going to post the full bios in the show notes. And I'm going to get to our guests right now. So let's unmute everybody here and change cameras. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hey. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, of course. So I want to dive right in. Let me start with Stella, and then we'll move to Nicole. Um, we're going to start with the question that we always start with on this podcast. Stella, are you a leader? Um, I guess so. Not by choice. <laughs> Um, I guess um, I always had the biggest mouth in the room. So, <laughs> Talk to me about leadership. Talk to me about your definition of, of leadership. Uh, a leader is somebody who's not afraid of failure. You learn very little out of successes. It's really about your failures in life that make you the better person, make you get up and say, okay, where did we go wrong? What needs improvement? And let's move on. So, um, I think it's um, it's not you know just cut and dry like you know you're you're you know you are the band leader. There's just so many different facets of what goes into doing it, and a lot of it is looking at your failures and saying, okay, why didn't it succeed, and how are we going to succeed? Yeah, I love that. Um, we've you know it's it's the fourth se- fourth season now of the show, and so every episode that's the 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 question that we start with with our guests, and it's. It's so funny how we've had so many people from different walks of life answer that question in 
so many different ways. I don't, I don't remember the exact number of episodes we're at now, but let's say we've had 75 interviews. We've had 75 different answers and a little piece of each answer kind of helps to build the, the overall definition of leadership. But we kind of realized that the, there's really no box you could put that in. Right. Um, I always say that, that leadership is really the person that stands up and says, I'll, I'll do it. I'll help. I'll do it. I'll help you do it, whatever the case is, but just standing up for anything, you know, very simply, the, the goal of the show is to kind of help our audience understand unconventional journeys to leadership. That's what we do here, right? So we want them to hear your stories here and, and to be able to say, oh, you know, maybe I made those mistakes or I had those successes. So maybe I can do what they do. So I love that definition, Stella. Nicole, how about you? Are you a leader? And talk to me about your definition of leadership. Hmm. Yes, I, I, I think I've been told that that's the uh, position that I'm uh, apparently serving as, but I'm, uh, I have difficulty with identifying myself as that, as I, I feel I'm more of a people person and an inspirer to help everybody kind of be their best self. So, um, but yes, I, I, I guess I have now been identified as a leader. So, so the, the, the interesting thing we like to look at is we talk about something called spark moments on the show a lot. So a spark moment is any kind of moment that led you on a specific path, whether that path is good, bad, or indifferent. Um, it, it happened and it led you on a path. And, and typically w the conversations that we have are the path to leadership. So what, was, what do you think that moment was for you that kind of led to that? What was that spark moment for you? Well, as far as the Nicholas Center is concerned, you know, this was founded on uh, the, the, the fuel of uh, mother's love and our determination to, to get as much support from, from other mothers and other families that were impacted uh, by having children uh, with autism. And, you know, I'm a doer, I'm a worker. I've always been kind of entrepreneurial in spirit and... Um, and I think that the spark moment was just when we said, let's do it. Let's, let's revolutionize the way services are um, performed or delivered to young adults with autism, especially when they come out of the school system. And, um, you know, it's just there was never a, a distinct moment. It was we just took action and off we went. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Stella? Um, um, I was, I had, I taught social studies for 15 years and then, um, had my son at 36. So, um, when I realized things were not developing and that he was going to take me down a different path, I realized that early on, but, um, I stopped teaching to dive into this creature called autism, which I knew nothing about. And um, and as I started attending now these meetings um, at school for organizations for uh, individuals with disabilities and all the parents and I'm meeting new people and I sat there in the room and every year we we're sort of just being you know like herded on and and I really didn't see any progress and what was being done and then I would research and say oh my God look at look at these districts, what they have, and we don't. So 
I'm sitting in the room and I was looking around and I could see a lot of these women emotionally were just like crying inside. They just, they did not have um, the, they, it was just too stressful for them. And that's when I realized, you know, Stella, at some point in your life, either you stand up for everybody, for those who maybe can't, um, but something has to be done and you have the strength and you have the fortitude. So, so don't just sit there in being in the corner and do nothing. It's either you're part of the solution well, you're part of the, you're just, you're just, you're not helping. Yeah. You're part of the problem. Yeah. So I, I want to dive a little further into that because uh, I, I love the road we're going down here. I have, um, I have seen in, in so many different people when their leadership has been activated, how their lives have completely changed. I mean, you, you were a social studies teacher uh, and by comparison now you're co-founder of multiple organizations, uh, very well known in, in what you do. And you've made a, a huge difference in, in a lot of people's lives through your advocacy and work. Um, do you find that activating other people in the way that you've been activated? And we're talking now as a leader because, you know, you lead organizations and, and you also have to activate people that not only work at an organization, but support it. Do you find difficulty in helping them sort of um, become activated and become conscious of, of issues that you're trying to uh, to share with them? Um, I think it's, um, you know, you, you start like that pebble you throw into the middle of the pond and it starts off with one ripple and then it starts off with two and three. And I've always told everybody that I meet and I said, I'm going to help you. I will do everything I can to help you, your family, your, your child. But you have to then in turn become a disciple of what we do here yeah. and you must go forward and you must tell another person and that person tells another person. And, you know, I don't know if I'm aging myself, but years ago there used to be a, a Breck commercial. They said, well, these gorgeous girls shaking their heads going, this was a Breck girl. And then another Breck, Breck girls. Girl. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what, that's what this is. You, you need to become a disciple. You need to tell somebody our story, your story so that we can grow and there we gain power. And with that, then we can really start moving things. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about a culture of exponential growth here, this is something that I found so interesting in, in the Nicholas Center. Um, and, and just to kind of give everybody um, a, a little background on how this all came about, even this interview here, um, we've had uh, we've had Dave Thompson and Josh Mursky on the show before from Sounds Like Autism. Um, Dave, of course, worked at uh, the Nicholas Center for many years. I met Dave and Josh. Um, when they gave their their TEDx talk uh, for TEDx Farmingdale, and uh, it's it's awkward to say for me, but I I noticed that their their work was so well, Dave's work was so empowering and and just so special, and um, I wanted to to be a part of it, and I had asked him um, if I could sort of be introduced to this community a little bit, and selfishly the reason was I actually had a lot of uncomfortability around the autism community. Since I was a child, I had a, a, a cousin that was, you know, and this was back then, there wasn't really a diagnosis. You know, they were talking about like, um, way, I was very, very little. So so early, early 80s, there, there was no name uh, that, that the family had for what, what it was that, that um, he was affected by. 
And all I knew was as a little kid, I just felt very uncomfortable all the time, right? He was a little, a little bit abrasive and um, I just felt uncomfortable. And I think that carried over uh, as an adult. And sadly, we lost him um, years ago, but I never kind of reconciled that. And, and for me, I kind of, I wanted to because I didn't like feeling uncomfortable. And Dave and Josh had me on their show and I, and I went over to Port Washington to get interviewed and they gave me the tour of Spectrum, they gave me the tour of the Nicholas Center, and that was the moment that I realized that you have built, you've both built such a special culture there. It's this culture of everybody's all in, like you said. Everybody is all in, and, and you know, the love that, that the employees have for each other and the team and, and, and the mission itself, it's really hard to come by that. You know, and I, I've been lucky enough since then to, um, to to not only be exposed to that community and 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 help in any way that I can, but I've had the opportunity to consult a little bit for the Nicholas Center and do some work with you guys on on the podcast coming up and everything. Um, and I feel very lucky to to have been a part of that. But I, I want to ask, and, and I'll move this to Nicole: How do you enforce that and and not only find the team members that do buy into it, but enforce it and keep that culture going on a daily basis. Yeah, we've been very fortunate to have a, an incredibly talented group of people kind of come through our doors and 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 some unbeknownst to them, I don't think they they recognize their own talent and I and I find it very reinforcing and motivating and it's not intentional. I'm not going out there intentionally saying, "Oh, we're going to turn this person in into a leader, we're going to have this person, you know, do something that, that they've never done before. It's just part of the process. Like it's in the walls. We meet, we're very transparent. We communicate a lot with one another. And, and my feeling is, is I think everyone has the potential, you know, to lead, whether it's leading a program, leading one person, if you can inspire others to, to be their best self and to be brave and and give them the space and the environment to say it's okay if you know if it doesn't work out that's all right we got each other's back um you know i found that that's been that's reaped the best results is you know i think some of the greatest programs that we've developed were from people who knocked on our door knocked on my door and said hey nicole i have an idea like we do it like this but what about that you know, maybe we, I'd say, absolutely, let's do it. Let's try it. And, um, you know, giving people the freedom and the security to know that, that they matter, their words matter, their talents matter, and then fostering and nurturing um, that and um, seeing where it goes and letting them know that, you know, it's all done with good intention. So I'm behind it because you're just trying to be the best you and use whatever internal you know intuition talents you have and i you know you got my support yeah. and and we mobilize everybody around that do do you think the fact that um it's a nonprofit and there is a mission kind of gives you that head start in in building that culture i think people who come into this field in general like you said you know there was always a natural uncomfortability for you personally in, in being around people who, you know, maybe behave differently or what have you. So I think naturally, if anyone's going to apply <laughs> to a job that is clearly working with, uh, you know, a, I, I don't like saying vulnerable, but a, a, 
you know, a population that typically requires some level of special expertise, that person walking through the door is just already a special person. They're unique in their own right that they're even applying for this position. Yeah. And, um, and we go and we start, we meet them where they're at and help build their confidence and, you know, inspire them and encourage them and certainly reinforce the fact that they are a part of a workforce that I believe a very divinely appointed group of people because it's this kind of work is not easy. Um, it doesn't it doesn't come easily to most people, but it does to them. Yeah, it's like natural for them. Yeah. yeah. So I find that very fascinating, and I wouldn't want anything more than to help you know continue to encourage that and grow that because as mothers. All we have are the are, is the world that we have to help prepare, and you know, for our, you know, our children who we won't be here forever for them. So, I feel my job and Stella's job is to try and help make this world the best, you know, place, a kinder, more gentler place, filled with people who know how to respond and how to best um, be for, you know. For our kids. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this topic is so interesting to me as, as a person that's run for-profit businesses uh, for for most of my career. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the listeners of the show know that I, I co-founded a nonprofit um, years ago, that very, very close to my heart. And it was my first foray into the nonprofit world. Although we're tiny, tiny, very small. Um, it was the first moment in my career that I felt some sort of fulfillment, right? Um, and then I started Launchpad back in, in uh, 2013, Launchpad 516. And it was after a shift in my life where I changed priorities. I didn't care about money or, or wealth or, or any of that anymore. I just wanted to do something that fulfilled me a little more and built a legacy for my kids. Um, and over the years, as I've had the opportunity, the luck I, even I could say, um, to become successful at this, we've shifted the model to become more mission-based, right? Like we, I think right now we're at like a 40, 40% of our client roster is nonprofit and we're, we have a goal of within the next five years being 100% either nonprofit or mission-based clients. It changed my, my day-to-day. Like, you know, work is like fun now. It means when I consult for a, um, for a for-profit company, there's always just this thing in the back there that's kind of dirty, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you're doing the work and 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 you want to be successful at it, but to what end, right? But but when it comes to mission-based and for-profit, it's been different. So I know for me, there, there's been a shift. So I want to get uh, your take on this, Stella, because you've been um, successful uh, in the for-profit business world as well prior to this, and we'll get into that. What has that difference been to you in terms of um, the, the, how meaningful the, the work is and what success actually means to you now versus back then? Um, interesting question. Um, it's the only kind we ask here. <laughs> Good point. Um, you know, my, my husband was uh, came from literally... Uh, this, like the streets of Astoria. His, um, his father was a Greek immigrant and his mom was born here, but was raised in Astoria and, you know, always had a million jobs and um, hustling. So when he became successful in the Gorman Center um, and Nicholas's diagnosis really broke his heart, 
um, the severity of it, and then when he started having seizures, and it just really it, it affected him. It's um, and he made it a point that um, no matter how successful he became, we put always put aside a certain money to donate to, um, at that time, you know, different organizations. Autism Speaks was just becoming, uh, it was just evolving. Um, so, but um, he always kept what was important in the back of his mind. Um, you know, he always had a piece of the autism ribbon in his wallet, um, always, as a, like just as a remembrance. But um, it's really good when when you have this relationship between your profit your your corporations um and your the non-for-profit world and um i wish more would participate um there's just so many so much more work that can be done out there um through the union with one helping the other um especially with through profits through community service even as you said just getting a, a company to come over to spend a day working so that they do feel comfortable. It's just remember through the process, um, years ago, education has gone from segregating, okay, special ed, go, you know, would be better served in a special school as opposed to inclusion. And then it switched and then it became the inclusion model. So, but still, a lot of people are not comfortable because the kids don't see them in school as much. And I think that's a disservice to everybody. So, yeah. you know, Nicole and I live a very different lifestyle because, you know, we've, we've from the day, you know, our children were born, we've gotten used to all, all of their individual quirks and, it, you know, and their OCDs and all this other stuff. So t to me, it, it, this is normal. Yeah. You yeah, know, in my household because he's an only child, so he rules the roost. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally get it. And and it, it, it it's funny when when you're kind of thrust into that situation, and I'm I'm only starting to deal with it now, um, in my own home. But my my first two children, um, although so different, right? My 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 older daughter is uh, she's a, a theater kid. She's so unique, so different. She has her quirks about her, and then my son was kind of our first foray into a lot of health issues that we dealt with with them and, and still dealing with with them. But we kind of made it work and, and made it part of our everyday life. And then here comes my daughter, who's now two and change, um, and she's born with a hearing disability, right? And we find this out literally the day of her birth and, and we start testing immediately. And, you know, within six months, she's wearing hearing aids. And uh, and we're only at the very beginning of, of this journey. But I know what that did to me as an individual where it's like, okay, um, time to start advocating for her and, and learning about all these meetings that we have with uh, our early intervention and advocating for, for uh, uh, speech therapy and, and teacher of the deaf and all this kind of stuff at her schools. And um, taking all that and, and kind of then turning it into a vehicle for others to be able to help their own children. It, it's, it's incredible. I have an interesting question for, for both of you. Um, I know, and I've heard your stories and we're going to dive very quickly um, since there's two of you here and we can't get into too deep of a dive on the chronology of where you came from. We'll dive into that in a minute, but I want to ask you, I know, I know why you both have a passion for advocating for individuals on the autism spectrum, obviously. Um, 
But why is it important to you for society to advocate and and uh, accept inclusion and integration for individuals on the autism spectrum? Why does society need to adapt a model of inclusion? Well, because if everybody's not included, then you're really not getting the best ideas out of everyone and you're not seeing different perspectives on life situations and everything. And I think that uh, every day that you get up and you see somebody who struggles just to even get dressed and, 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 and feed themselves into this process, it gives me uh, a sense of shut up and count your blessings yeah. every day. Okay, your eyes are open. It's another day to go forward, make a change, touch somebody, help somebody. That's really what the purpose of society is for. It's not to live, you know, in these little isolated things. And I, I think, like Nicole and I, um, are you know, we're we've always been in the trenches, and we we lead by example. Um, there is no job you know, too menial or anything. And uh, I think that it, this is contagious. I think I, when our staff sees, okay, I just want you to know the founder is on the floor cleaning the puke up, okay? I think it speaks volumes for, no, I'm not above this. Yeah. I am so here with you, all of you. And I think it inspires people. I think Nicole inspires them, just what she's developed in the amount of time that she puts in with staff and, and community. Yeah. So, Nicole? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Same question, I guess. Um, uh, you know, there, and, and it's, it's very timely that we're talking about this because it's, I hope I get the name right, National uh, Disability Employment Month? Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's timely that we're, we're doing this interview now. Um, there's, a, there's a fine line between um, creating opportunities for inclusion and integration and actually being inclusive and integrated. Um, and so same question to you, why does society have to begin to understand this model and, and move towards it? Well, it's interesting because, you know, it's a very humbling experience when you have an unexpected uh, challenge presented to you, you know, when you have a child, everyone kind of automatically assumes and plans for a pregnancy and that all is going to go well. And you have all these dreams of, of what this child is going to be and become and what you're going to do and how you're going to. And, you know, I think that my point is, is that you're, no one's immune to having some kind of um, challenge at any given time presented to them. And um, I think society, you know, would just, um, would, how would I say this? I know, it's tough. It's, 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 it's a, because um, I, I, I'm not of the mindset, oh, well, people should just do this, you know, whether their heart and their mind um, is, you know, it's whether they're prepared or even capable of, of 
of getting there. But I do think that, um, you know, the world would be a better place. I mean, it's the right thing to do is the simple answer um, to, to, to do your best in being able to help other people, regardless of whatever their situation is, to help them feel as comfortable and welcomed in any environment that you possibly, you know, have the control of controlling. So if you're a business owner, um, you know, if you're even a, a, a person who's hosting a, a party at your house, I remember, like, you learn very quickly who your friends are. Um, when you, I mean, I, 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 um, I know who my friends are based on the fact how welcoming they've been, as always, with my son. And there were a lot of um, social events that I, I would decline because I knew that my son was going to be rummaging and, I, you know, rummaging through people's houses. And he would get, maybe not from the host, but the, the guests of, that maybe were invited to these parties. And it's just, it was just so, I wouldn't put myself in that position, like, because I knew that it would just be uncomfortable for me and, and for him as well and for the people around. So I would avoid those situations. And I thought that was so sad, you know that I couldn't go to an invitation to a party as much as I wanted to go and as much as I knew the host was going to absolutely open their doors and know what to expect. But I just didn't want to put myself or my son in a position where other people were uncomfortable around him and I had to be all awkward and chasing around after him because people, you know, their children were like, what's up with this kid? And it's just, you know, it's a very lonely place, Um when you have a child that has those kind of unique behaviors, like in social events. So yeah. um, my feeling is, is you know, I, I've always been, even before I had a child with autism, I would, like even the supermarket, I remember I would always make it a point to give a reassuring smile to the mom who was struggling with their screaming toddler, you know, or on an airplane, and I saw people struggling. That was just always very natural to me when I would see so much versus the people turn around and they sneer and they're like, ah, you know, yeah. what's wrong with that kid? And, you know, you just never know when it's going to be you. And I just think it's the right right thing to do as, as, you know, as citizens of humanity that be kind, be kind to others because you'll never know when you're going to need the kindness from others. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so I want to touch on on um, both of your uh, sort of chronology leading up to uh, the Nicholas Center and Spectrum uh, and all that. So Stella, uh, and, the, and I get this from Leanne. She, Leanne was my Wikipedia for this. Mm -hmm. So I uh, grew up in Garden City mm -hmm. on Long Island, right? Um, mm -hmm. a, a Greek, right? Fellow Greek. My uh, right side is Greek. My left side is Italian. Okay, there you go. There you, there go. you go. Yeah, yeah. Both, half breed, yes. Both, both tough, uh, tough cultures to grow up in, and, and I can tell you that first. A lot of Mediterranean, yes. <laughs> um, uh, a star athlete in a few different sports, I heard as well. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Lifeguard for many summers at the county level. I mm -hmm. uh, went to Hartwick College. Yes. Uh, my, my, actually, my wife has a cousin that goes there right now and plays football there. Um, and, and in the fashion industry, you mentioned uh, you and your husband owned... KB Studios, Catherine studios. Bishop. Yep. Um, where your husband, Paul Kitsos, one son, Nicholas. Uh, we talked about your, your dive into the Manhasset schools and, and, um, and changing things up there and... Uh, and kind of, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the Nicholas Center. For those that are familiar with the 21-year-old Cliff, this is kind of the reason, right, that, that the Nicholas Center was uh, sort of developed. Um, 
Well, uh, yeah. yeah, out of out of a, you know more of a, an immediate tragedy um, that sort of really pushed me over the edge. Um, my, um, I was going around. Nicholas was had just turned eighteen, and even though he was going to be in school till twenty one, I was going around. I was looking at the what comes next. Uh, I was going out looking at vocational programs, uh, this that, and um, I just would come home in tears and tell my husband that this is just so unacceptable. I just, I don't see this for Nicholas at all. And this is very disturbing. What are we going to do with him? And then we're going back and forth. And my, my husband, you know, was like, I was like, you really need to get over the fact that he's never going to be taking over, you know, your, your business. It's an impossibility. He's not going to college. He can't ride a bicycle. Yeah. Come on, you, yeah. you know. I'm, you know, get this through your thick Greek skull. And, um, and then in, uh, in while we're having these discussions, um, is my husband um, got on a plane. He was also a professional um, Texas Hold'em uh, poker player. Oh, wow. And he um, was actually, uh, had just taken off for the World Series of Poker in Vegas. And 20 minutes in flight, he had a massive heart attack and died. So I just um, couldn't, uh, I couldn't allow our life, which was based around this child and his disability, I just couldn't let this just like, okay, done, over, you know, I just couldn't let his life be in vain. So I thought about it. I went to Nicole. Um, she was actually one of the first people I called. My husband died when um, I got the news from the police. Um, and I said, Nicole, we have to, I'm going to do this. I said, it's, um, I, I'm going to close the business, um, sell everything, and we're going to do it the right way. And I said, you know, I've been having this vision about the Nicholas Institute Center or whatever. And I said, but these kids are a whole different animal. They learn differently. They're capable of so much more. And I don't think anybody's addressing the needs. And from what I've seen, I don't see it up to the government. I see either, it's either, you know, I step up to the plate and I seize the, the, the moment and we move forward. We don't need anybody. We have the financing and we could do it. And that was really the beginning of it all. And we just hit the ground running. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And now a word from our sponsors. Well, that's a nice song. Hey, hey, everybody. It's me, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, the host of the LaunchCast, the co-host of Over My Dad Podcast. But more importantly, I'm here today on behalf of Launchpad 516 Studios, the podcast production company that makes those two shows, the one you're listening to now, and so many others possible. Now, what is Launchpad 516 Studios? Well, it's the brainchild of Launchpad 516. It's a podcast production company, and we help you from conceptualization to production, to recording, to post-production, to monetization. The key word here, let's turn that hobby, that idea into a revenue stream. But more importantly, let's get that important idea out there and get your voice heard, because that's what matters right now. Hit us up, launchpad516studios.com to find out more information or send us an email. 
podcast at lp516.com. DM me at Launchpad CEO on all the platforms. Let's chat. Let's get your voice heard. We're pretty good at this, guys. Don't let this offer slip by you. Later, guys. Beep, beep, beep. We are interrupting this show to tell you about our podcast with a very special announcement. Hey, folks. I hope you're enjoying your podcast, which you're listening to right now. But I would like to tell you about another one. We are Sounds Like Autism. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Which is full of impactful programming. It's the podcast that celebrates neurodiversity by speaking to the people who are helping to create a more inclusive world. I am Dave Thompson. I am an educator and an innovator and a leader within the space of helping the world become a more inclusive place for neurodivergent people as a neurodivergent self-advocate myself. And my co-host, Josh Mursky, is an incredible, hardworking, big picture dude who is on the autism spectrum and super stoked to spread his message of inclusion along with me. We've had folks on from all over, all walks of life, all over the country, and more. You don't need to be someone who is autistic yourself or have skin in the game. You don't need a family member or a neighbor who is autistic. You probably have one, but you don't need any of that to get stoked on neurodiversity and inclusion. We're confident that if you give us a shot, if you join us on our journey, that you'll be a lifer and you'll be fully invested in this mission. We are just so delighted and honored to have this kind of platform to share with you all what we do check us out i hope you enjoy your current podcast and then after that skedaddle and come right over here to sounds like autism and check us out now back to the show you're listening to the Launchcast, produced by launchpad 516 studios with me your host the launch dad himself george andriopoulos how, how did you guys meet originally i met her through um nicole uh started the uh was one of the founders of the elijah foundation and school and she was, you know, this young 20-something uh, with, like, you know, uh, two kids already, a young son and autism. And and um, the more we talked about the future and things, and I was also very involved with her on the development side and fundraising. And I just said, this woman is a diamond in the rough. If I was going to do anything, she's going to, you know, be my, my, uh, my, uh, my will my mate. So that was it. And when it all came through it, I said, Nicole, if you don't do it, I'm not going to do it. Cause I'm, you know, I'm considerably older than she is. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, you know, if I'm turning this thing over, I'm turning it over to the next generation. And that is you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, and, and you were, uh, the 2007 Elijah foundation parent award recipient as yes. well. Right. And yes. 2012 and 2013 oh. Oh man, there's so much stuff here. I know. Uh, I'm going to put this all in there. I've been on the planet a long time. Okay, I've been around. All right. Okay. So, so, so there's, there's there's more of the resume. It's longer. Here, okay. The CV gets bigger. And so uh, let's talk about that that time uh, uh, briefly before we start wrapping everything up. So um, I've heard this story told a, a, a million different ways, but uh, Nicole Googled recession-proof industry and found right. screen printing. Recession-proof businesses. Right, so Nicole, tell us about that, the, be the beginnings of all of this. Well, once we made a commitment that we were going to start a, a private kind of center, um, really for just a handful of kids that we were concerned with or concerned about that we knew that their families would, you know, they we would have their backing, um, 
we knew we knew all about we knew all about what we thought that they needed and how that had to be community based and she already had so many connections within this particular community that we knew that they would have access and be welcomed and so on and so forth but um we knew the the, the employment vocational piece was going to be a challenge because um, while we knew we could probably get them a couple of volunteer positions here in the in there, you know, on some, you know, through some, you know, really nice shopkeeper on Main Street or something, we knew that that wasn't going to be able to serve the numbers that we were looking to impact. So we said, well. Let's just start our own business. And I had always been, again, you know, I've always, I, I've never not liked to work. And even though I, you know, intentionally wanted to be and aspire to be as, you know, a stay-at-home mom and raise my family, um, even when I was at home, you know, raising a family before autism, I, when, when there was no such thing as like Etsy and eBay, I learned HTML and started selling like wedding favors or something through my through through like um through the internet and right. I was like making like 30 grand a year and my husband couldn't believe it <laughs> but um anyway the point was is I was always very in inventive in that way and I think that was more of a survival skill because I've had to survive a lot of you know different things growing up and I just it's just in me and I I just feel like it, that's just the automatic mode I go I go into so I'm always like ready to start a business and, and people joke about that like can you ever like not like think of like a business like I'm like oh you know what we could do we could do this we could do that so I said well I guess we got to start a business and she goes, what kind of business and I said well it's got to be a business that you know if if the shit hits the fan oh am I allowed to say that oh, yeah. <laughs> if the shit hits the fan yeah, we prefer it actually yeah then you know it's we're not vulnerable and it doesn't go you know we don't have this problem so it's got to be a product that's needed even during a catastrophe or it doesn't affect the budget you know that doesn't that it's not cost prohibited and you know we we put a little bit of thought into it so I, we knew the elements that needed to be there and then when we were like recession proof business and yeah, t-shirt made the t-shirt revolution. I think that was the name of the book. Right. And I think this was even before Amazon prime. Right. So yep. Yep. anyway, I don't know if I, I don't know how we did it, but we got it. And I said, okay, I read like two pages and I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this <laughs> makes sense. You know, like I'm, and, uh, you stayed and, up watching all those tutorials. Yes, we watched. Right, exactly. And, and then you were tutorials. teasing me, like, saying, look, it's soy-based, Stella. Yeah, it's because organic. she's, you know, she's like a vegan, you know, oh. crazy person or whatever. So, <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. So well, I had to make sure it was environmentally this and that. And, you know, she was making it more complicated as it, than it already was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and we happened to have, and, and I thought what was also very um, interesting to me or what, what I thought was cool about this concept was, we were already in the business of business, quote unquote, business of fundraising. So I knew that that these were budgetary lines that Correct. not only us, but other nonprofit organizations that were serving people with autism, they have to spend money in this industry anyway. They do golf outings. They do, you know, they need swag. So I said, well, if we have this business, they would have to feel compelled to use us sure. to make T-shirts and, you know, so and promo items. So that's how we chose that and why we chose that and it just all kind of all the pieces kind of divinely um kind of came together and and i thought the other 
interesting part was I said, you know, it's kind of like the garment industry, you know, Paul has a little bit, you know, her husband, God bless his his soul, um, always watching down on us. Um, I felt like that was his own little comedic kind of insertion there, you know, from heaven, like, you know, do something with the garments, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's how... That's how that came to be. And so there, there's the Nicholas Center, there's Spectrum Designs, which are two uh, uh, two totally different entities that started uh, from the same um, uh, the from same, the same kitchen process. table. Same yeah, kitchen the same table. kitchen table. We, we formed two separate organizations because we we figured if one's gonna fail, it won't take the other one down with it. So that was more of like a business decision, whether or not we do the same thing now, I don't know. Sure. But the, the truth is, is that really was, in my mind, like it was more of a safety business, yeah, you sure. know, mitigate. We, I don't know. It just happened that way. And well, the, um, the beauty of it is you're handling uh, uh, two different aspects of um, uh, disability employment, um, uh, with, with those two organizations. And there's more, too. There's Spectrum Bake, Spectrum Sud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there's going to be more uh, uh, social enterprises that come out of the Nicholas Center as, as time goes on. We've talked about some together. Um, and so it's, it's from a business perspective, yeah. I mean, this is what I do for a living. So Business 101, to everybody listening, you got to diversify your revenue streams, right? You have to make sure that you are not just doing the one thing because when the one thing ends then the business ends. But if you're doing many things that are different, uh, the business can survive. Case in point, COVID and and the pandemic, right? Uh, Even for us, right? We were not able during the pandemic, we have the, 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 the management consulting firm, we have a marketing agency, we have now the podcast production company, we have speak, we have, you know, a bunch of different arms. And when the pandemic hit, yeah, the consulting was fine. We could do the work. We couldn't get any new clients, though, mm-hmm. because we couldn't leave the house and, and nobody would take our calls. So those contracts would slowly fade away. And so, you know, we had, hey, we had just just launched our leadership coaching division, which was completely virtual. And we put everything into it. And that took the place of consulting for that time being, for that 18 months that we were shut down. So you guys, from a business perspective, that was a a genius move. And it's created so many opportunities as we talk about National Disability uh, Employment Month. Um, And and I will say, too, we're in the middle of, well, maybe we're at the tail end of the the great resignation and, and all these issues going on with um, with being able to employ people. I know firsthand from, from our guys, uh, John and Mark Cronin from John's Crazy Socks, who do the Spreading Happiness podcast with us. Um, Mark will always tell you they've never had any employment issues. You know what I mean? You know, because they are uh, employing people um, with differing abilities and, and they've never had an issue um, finding employees, growing growing their organization with uh, people that are disabled um, uh, running the show there, and and I think there's a lot to be said as we continue the conversation around why it's important for society to actually integrate and include people. We happen to, well, well, the three of us live in the most segregated area of the entire country. I mean, it's a known fact for, from many different perspectives. When we talk about schools and, um, and work and everything, um, we talk about race, we talk about abilities, all that kind of stuff. And so organizations like the Nicholas Center with the mission that it has, they're so, so, so important. Uh, Leanne gave me a couple of notes here about the Nicholas Center. Um, Nicholas Center has received the New York State Senate 
Empire Business Award as the most socially innovative agency of its kind in New York State, the 2020 Nonprofit of the Year by the Long Island Business News. A 2018 documentary was made about the journey entitled The Business of Autism, which you guys have to check out. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Film has been screened at over 20 film festivals in the U.S. and abroad, including a screening in uh, Washington, D.C. in the U.S. Capitol. Um, so I, I, I've seen firsthand the incredible work uh, that you guys do. And, and not only do I applaud you for it, but I, I thank you for putting this good into the world and, and um you know, not only doing the mission that you do, but creating opportunities for people to work for an organization um, that is mission driven and that is a nice, fulfilling career for people, you know, to, to take on a um, little bit more about it. So you've <coughs> uh, expanded into Westchester recently. Right. Can you talk about that a little bit, Nicole? So I think it was in 2018, uh, a group of uh parents had um, heard about what we were doing and they came or or a, a parent a, you know maybe a, a pair of parents came heard what we were doing um, they were friendly with you know our other co-founder uh, Patrick Bardsley and so their, son, their son went to camp right their son with Nicholas went to with, special with, needs with, camp yeah. with with Stella's son and um, mm -hmm. and so they heard and they were aware of what we were doing and they their their children were kind of preparing to or were already in um, a less than pleasing situation after they've left high school. So they came, saw what we were doing, and they said, hey, you know, can you do this? You know, would you, are you willing to help us um, replicate what you've done here over there? And, you know, um, so after two long years of, you know, raising a heck of a lot of money and, and, you know, going with just, you know, a huge leap of faith and the, and the grace of God, we just, um, we moved forward and we opened, yesterday was actually our two, second year was anniversary it? in Westchester, October 4th. And, um, two years. Yeah, we. Um, during they, a pandemic, no yes. less. Yeah. So what we, we basically did was, is we try to replicate by saying, well, what are the elements that work here in Port Washington? Okay, it's got to be, you know, you know, our concept is we have to make our, our participants and even our staff, you know, be part of the community. They have to be woven into the fabric of the community. So it needs to be community-based. You need to be front and center on Main Street, you know, and um, become good stewards to the community. That was very important as well as, you know, needed to be in a location that made it sense for Spectrum Designs as a t-shirt promotional product company. Um, so yeah, we, we, they raised a lot of money and they bought a, a fantastic building, 8,000 or, or maybe more square feet. Yeah, I think it's almost 10. Yeah, um, and, and just again, an incredible group of families and, 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 and parents that wanted the you know whatever they could do to improve their child's life they asked us to go you know the other side of the pond there <laughs> over the throg's mm -hmm. neck and whitestone <laughs> and it's working out great you know we serve 27 individuals there now and you know many of them have their you know have a job you know many of them are, are already working and making a gainful wage you know at spectrum design so it's we're very proud that um that it all kind of worked out the way we actually envisioned it, you know, that 
that we were able that we are able to um, employ a, a, a great deal um, of individuals with autism. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's the last thing, actually, uh, something you mentioned that I want to touch on before we, we move to the big three and wrap it up for the day. Um, the families. So, um, I've, I've learned about this dynamic with, with, uh, the the families and the staff and and everybody. It's so incredible to, to kind of see that you guys, you guys get shit done always. Like that's been, (laughs) it's been the resounding kind of theme. Like, uh, uh, when I was sort of learning what, what Stella does, what Nicole does, um, it was like, I, I remember I came in. A couple of weeks ago to, to uh, check out the progress of the podcast studio and everything. And we needed a couple of things. And Jeremy goes, let me call Stella. She'll get it done. It'll be done by the end of the day. You know? <laughs> but, um, but in terms of support with the families, this is kind of the thing that I've seen that's, that's incredible here. The, the support from uh, the participant families um, for you guys has been second to none. Every time that I've heard of a new initiative, something going on, it's kind of a, a – it, it's you don't even flinch at the fact that you know that you're going to get the support from the families. That must be just such an incredible feeling. And I know in the conversations that um, Leanne from the team and I have had about communications with the families, um, they kind of understand that, okay, we're getting this, this support that I'm going to give you now is going to get X, Y, and Z done. But overall, just the support that they've given over the years – provides the ability to keep this thing going. And that that's kind of what a, a lot of people don't realize this, whether it's the nonprofit world or the for-profit world. When you're doing something important, um, there has to be support in order to keep doing that important thing going forward, right? Um, and and I, I applaud just whatever culture you've built with these participant families because they're, they're just incredible, right, in terms of uh, the support for, for the Nichols Center. There's nothing, there's no other program like it. So they appreciate what we do for them. And that's why they support us because they know that their child is engaged every day, happy, productive, getting exposure to a million different programs and, and opportunities and um, and that's why they, they're they're like they would rather they would rather come to the Nicholas Center than be home for a vacation day. Yeah, yeah. Because they're that. bored. I love that. And we love our parents because you know the, because they appreciate what we do and they are always there. Yeah. They they just can't do enough, and we're very very grateful. Yeah. Very grateful, but we have something very special. Love that. Love that. Um, What's next? What's next for you guys uh, b- before we hit the big three and wrap it up for the day? What is, what is next for, for the Nicholas Center? What is going on? Anything exciting and new going on that we should know about? Well, we're going to start our own little podcast, I hear, with the help of uh, Mr. George yeah. um, and the Launchpad, Launchcast. Or, so we're really revved up yeah, about that. All, um, all his anchors n- are waiting at yes, the Nicholas Center, um, his future anchors. And this would be, uh, again, this is... You know, completely going to be uh, run and conducted by our, um, you know, our individuals at our program, and they're really excited about, you know, doing all of this. So that's one exciting thing that's happening. 
Um, we also just received, the Nicholas Center just received word that um, we will be receiving $175,000 by Mother Cabrini Foundation for an incredible initiative um, called Port Provides, powered by the Nicholas Center, um, where our, our young men and women will be um, providing necessary supplies and um, food and diapers and all that good stuff um, to the more marginalized communities uh, around uh, the Nicholas Center. Um, so we're excited about that. And um, yeah, and the kids and yeah. our participants are too. Yeah, and what we love is um, we ask them, like, where do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to explore? And that's how the podcast, that's how, the um, the news that's how a lot of our programs have started. It's you know it's what they yep. you know what their interests. That's why we're very heavy into a lot of the arts programs that we did developing because th- th- they just thrive and they have such a, a natural um, you know just uh, you know propensity to to the arts and it's so calming and soothing. So you know we we go by them, but we're also uh, been very busy. Um, working with our local governments and communities. Um, I sit on um, the Nassau County Committee, but I feel that we're at at a great point to really affect change in our communities. And now I'm talking the biggies, housing, transportation, and employment. 80% of individuals with disabilities are unemployed, and that's unacceptable. So we have to do something about that. So, so again, you know, we're, we, we have the audience, and I, I believe that we're going to see some, some really important legislation and things come down to help us deal with these crises. Yeah, I believe that crises. as well. I, I sit on the Legislative Action Committee for our local school district here, and uh, we have some of these same conversations. So it's interesting to see where these things are going. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love what you guys do, Stella and Nicole. Um, we're going to move on to the big three. The big three from the launch cast. The big three. Uh oh, Nicole's nervous. Oh. The big three. So the big three. You guys know it. We throw out. A, we throw out a couple of questions. You're going to give us your top three quick, concise answers for each. I'll ask you uh, individual. We'll do. We'll do two questions each. So let's start with. Let's start with Nicole here. Uh, Nicole, three biggest mountains that you have climbed as a woman in industry. That's a. I just don't look at them as mountains i guess i am having a hard time with this george help me out so three big so have you have you have um, you i I, i've asked this question um specifically with with uh uh women that have have really um created a, a change through their their professional careers and i've often found that a lot of people um a lot of these women that have interviewed have gone have hit a lot of roadblocks along the way. And that's not necessarily the case for, for everybody. I've hit a lot of roadblocks uh, along the way to to becoming who they have become. So I guess that's kind of the question. Have there been really any any roadblocks that you've sort of conquered, um, specifically as, as a woman doing what you do? Because we do have a lot of, a lot of our audience, by the way, uh, are, are females that are entrepreneurs, females that are aspiring entrepreneurs um, that, that look for this type of advice in terms of, you know, growing. 
Okay, so I have to go there. Um, I uh, throughout all this, my I I I was divorced, and I was a single mother of three kids. One obviously with autism, and yeah, you know that was a pretty big mountain, if you want to call a mountain. And we were pretty much, I was pretty much on my own, and. Um, the whole thing with the Nicholas Center and the, the formation was that to me a, a you know God given gift because it was it distracted me and really gave me the fortitude to just say let's just do this you know everything else is kind of coming down and you know again I give all my glory to God quite honestly because as a mom with three kids and and I've there ways have always been made and that yeah. came with a lot of prayer. And that's, I, I don't, I've, 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 you know, climbed, that, that was a pretty big mountain, doing this as a single mom. Um, but when you've got someone like Stella, you know, <laughs> next to you, and you know that you, you have her trust, and she had, you know, faith in, in, in what I believed we were going to get done, um, it made it very easy. Yeah. I, it didn't feel like a mountain, I guess. I, I don't like to look at mountains. Like, I love looking at mountains. I don't like to look <laughs> at it as if, oh, God, I'm climbing up a mountain. This is horrible. It's just not in my DNA. I don't look at it like that. And I don't, you know, so I'm sorry. I don't have, like, the no, whole great... summited a mountain story for you. <laughs> but um, I've never looked at it. I, I look at it as, okay, I take one day at a time, and I put one foot in front of the other. I've always lived my life like that. Yeah. and. And for me, things have always just been uh, an inconvenience. Oh, God, what's happening today? And I just, how do I solve this problem for today and then tomorrow, deal with tomorrow? So that's just been my whole mindset my entire life. So I've never felt overwhelmed by stuff that happens. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's, that's a good answer. That's you know, good enough for me. That's a great answer. Um, let's move to Stella. So, Stella, three wishes for what the Nicholas Center will accomplish for the autism community um, over time. Mm, I liked her question better. <laughs> you can answer that one if you want instead. That's fine for me. Um, well, I'm going to say this, that, um, um, you know, I, I, Nicole and I would look at each other and we're like, okay, do we have enough to feed our families for the week? Okay, we're good then. What's yeah. the problem? <laughs> everything is insane. Everything else is, is, is surmountable, not a problem. But I will tell you, um, for all the women out there, moms um, listening and that are struggling with, um, you know, work and home and, and, uh, ch and children um, who, who have special needs, um, don't ever think you're out there alone. You're never out there alone. When my husband died suddenly, and I had three detectives show up on my doorstep at 10 o'clock at night to tell me that my son was now, did not have a father, and our family was down to two, um, and I had to make plans for my husband's funeral. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom. I stopped teaching. I had been a stay-at-home mom now for almost oh, 17 years at that point. So when I went to my bank and I asked for um, a loan, 
and I showed them what I had in the bank and whatever. They said, but you you don't have an income. And I was like, but I've got money in the bank. And they said, sorry, loans are based on income, yeah. on earnings. And so I went, are you kidding me? So here I am, you know, I have a house with no mortgage. I have all of these assets, but because I had no income, nobody would make would would lend us the money to start a non for profit, and then they and then one bank actually went. I've never even heard of anybody lending somebody money to start a non for profit. What kind of business is that? And I just went, okay, thank you very much for your time. I can see you know how narrow minded you are. Not a problem, and I just moved on, um, and and said okay, you know Nicole. Um, was was an exhausting day, but not a problem. I got this. Yeah, I got this. You just worry about getting the contracts with the school districts, and I'll worry about the the, the rest. And that's really you know how we function. So I'm going to tell all those women out there that are sitting on the fence, don't ever accept no for an answer. It should not be in your vocabulary. Okay, uh, one of my favorite English teachers said uh, when it comes to prepositions. It's about, think about what a bunny can do to, to the hill or the mountain. He can go around the mountain, he can go under the mountain, he can go over the mountain, he can go through the mountain, and that's exactly what it is. There's the mountain, and there's so many alternatives. So you just think about that bunny, okay, and you'll be fine, and you'll be fine. What are we going to do for the future? We are going to spread the word. We're going to set up uh, models of communities like what we have in Port Washington, where we have a place where you have a uh, organization uh, business which is supporting individuals and helping other community organizations. So you're really infiltrated and everybody knows and appreciates. And now we're the first person they come running when they need help. When there's a crisis or something, they come to us, which is a great feeling. Um, And then we have a business where our employees earn paychecks and we are spending the money locally. So again, we are increasing and helping the, the local economy. Our kids spend their money locally. Yeah. And then we are also looking at buying, some families have uh, gone in together and bought homes, which are just so that the kids are within walking distance. So now um, we've created our own little university campus where you walk, you live, and you, um, are, and you help build and strengthen the community on so many different levels. And yeah. this is where we're going to be. This is where we are. We're approaching, and it's only been 10 years, so come back and check in with us in another 10. I love this. I'm, I'm going to stop it right there. We don't need the, the rest of the questions because you guys covered everything. Uh, thank you so much, Stella. Thank you, Nicole, for being here with me today, the season premiere of the LaunchCast. Uh, oh, man, what a good one we had today. This was a good one. Um, I, I, I hope you guys come back one day because this was, this was a blast, and I can't wait to work with you guys on Agents of Humanity, a yes. podcast coming very, very soon. And it's funny because you used – a citizen of humanity before when you were talking yeah. and I was I thought that was like I was like oh cool this is so our, we're validated with our choice there for the name of the podcast but agents of humanity coming coming very soon we're going to announce all those details uh thank you Nicole and Stella thank I'm going to switch it over real quick 
There we go. I still remember how to use this stuff. Guys, thank you for joining me on another episode of the LaunchCast. We are back for season four every single Monday at 6 a.m. Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, all of the places. iHeartRadio. We can't forget that one. Guys, we'll see you next week. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. The LaunchCast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, produced by Fabrizio Fugazi and executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Marketing and PR by Media Convergence. Theme song by Tommy Lungberg. Music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. The LaunchCast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it, guys. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, the host at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or follow the show at The Launchcast Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Launchcast Show on Twitter. Visit our website, thelaunchcast.com, and make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next time, guys.